I hope that everyone is feeling the flame and getting excited about mission work. We, as a congregation, are very dedicated to mission work here. We have raised our budget this year to just shy of $150,000 for mission work. So your elders are behind us. It's, it, is, it is a wonderful thing. We have so many opportunities to, to help and to serve and to work. And I ask each of you to get on our own website and look at what we say about the work that we're doing and correspond with, with the folks that we're supporting. They, they need your support. And the thing that we can do most is we can all pray for them. And I would ask that you would try to pray for them every day. Remember them in prayer every day because there is so much good going on. Now, I've been given five minutes to talk about all this, and I won't pull a PD, but it's going to be hard to do it in five minutes. So, uh, so we get the foreign mission points. We have a number of mission points that we're supporting. And in Guinea, West Africa, we're supporting Brad and Estelle Willits. Now, Brad and, and Estelle have been in mission work for, since 1972, full-time. And they're doing a wonderful work. And here's just a couple of pictures here. Uh, this, is, this is Brad, and these are recent. Uh, Brad baptized these two young men, and he said that it took him six months of study with these young men. And what, what is significant there is that when you get people there, they will go out into the other villages and into the other area, and they will take the Word of God out to the other area. So he is hopeful and confident that this will help us. Now, Brad has been working in West Africa since 1988, and right now they're in a village about two hours from the capital. Now, uh, I think a lot of us have met Brad, but Brad is a linguist. Brad speaks uh, English, Italian, French, and, and Susu language, and he is, he is just absolutely fantastic, and I'm sure we'll get to hear him again here sometime in, in the near future. But one of the things that he's done is he gave the Susu Indians a written language. They had no written language. And he took the, uh, the Quran, they knew the words from the Quran, and he used the, used the, Ar uh, the Ar Arabic language to teach them uh, to read and to give them a written language. It's absolutely fantastic what he's done. And so far they have translated 70, about 70% 70 of the books of the Bible. But what's significant is that it's going to take them another two to three years to finish that. It's, it's just a wonderful work. And what you have to understand is we're talking about a million people, a million people that were not going to be able to know God in any way without, without the Scripture. You have a million people that, that they have brought the Word to a million people. And here's a picture of, of some of the guys just reading in their own language. And we do have a nice display out there, and I encourage you to look at that. Okay, where else do we support? Okay, how about Athens, Greece? Now, I think a lot of us have met uh, Alexander and Eleni Melaritos, and Alexander is just, he's just fantastic. He's been here and preached and talked to us before. And what he's doing is they have a... Uh, church that we're supporting in Greece. It's the uh, Ammonia Church of Christ, and it's a, it's a multiple discipline church. They have a Greek service, and they have a Russian service, and they have an English service, and they have a Bulgarian service. They have a lot of things going on there, and Alexander is not only working there, but he is traveling in other places in, in the world and, and doing mission work in addition to what he's doing there. So we're, we're very, very... Uh, pleased with, with, with Alexander, and I hope that everybody will get to meet him again soon. 
Okay, where else are we supporting work? Well, in Krasnomysk, Ukraine, we started some support there, I guess, uh, back when Steve Hale was here, it's been many years, we've been supporting a congregation. As you can see, uh, Krasnomysk is close to D Donetsk, and Donetsk is where we're going for our, our, our mission this year to, uh, to work with the orphanages. And so last year, we were able to go as a group to go over and visit the congregation that we're supporting there. And what uh, I think this is what uh, was said about them, that the congregation is small but big in the faith. And it's going to be really great for us to visit them. And if you'll look on the uh, work that we have out front, you'll see the, the folks that are there. And it, it, I think it's just it's a, it's a great work, and we hope to continue to grow there. Now, one of the places that we seem to spend a lot of our time and a lot of our money is in El Salvador. And it represents roughly a third of our budget. And we have a lot of great things happening there. Now, where we're working, we have, we have two different places now that we're working. We've been to the Usulatan province, and we've been in Usulatan. We've been in, uh, in other areas right there. We're supporting currently, we're supporting four preachers and four congregations. Uh, we have Jonas Martinez, Osman Amaya, Oscar Zelaya, and Victor Benilla. And... Right there in that picture, I think three of the four preachers are actually in that, in that, uh, in that picture. But Jonas is preaching in Usulatan. We, we started a congregation in Usulatan. And we started a congregation in San Agustin, and Osman is preaching there currently. And we started a, a congregation in San Francisco, and Oscar is preaching there. And we have Victor preaching in the capital city in San Salvador. Now, we do have one domestic mission point and that is in Memphis, Tennessee, and we are supporting John Kennedy and his family, and John is at the Harding School Graduate School of Religion, and John expects to uh, graduate uh, this semester, and John wants to go into full-time uh, counseling work, and we think it's a fantastic opportunity for us to be able to support them. Now, we have a number of mission trips, and Buddy has already talked about one, but the first mission trip that's coming up is for El Salvador, and that is March 18th through 25th, and that is a medical and an evangelistic campaign. And we are going to, I believe, to the capital city. Uh, in Dayton, Tennessee, June 19th through 14th, that's a stateside campaign, and Dennis will be talking, to that, uh, talking about that just shortly. We are also have the youth group is going to Carmelia, Georgia, and they will be doing a, a VBS in June. And we have the uh, trip to Donetsk, Ukraine, and that's that the date hasn't been set, but that will be a campaign with or orphanage work. We're doing a lot of a lot of good things, and we just appreciate everybody keeping all of these mission points in their prayers. June 9th and June 14th. Please put those dates on your calendar. This is the time for our next domestic mission campaign, and this year we'll be heading to Dayton, Tennessee. Dayton's about an hour's drive south of, of Crossville, Tennessee. It's a small church. Uh, the average attendance on Sunday morning is about 170 people. They're a very friendly church. Um, they're very eager to spread the gospel throughout their community. We paid them a visit few weeks ago one Sunday morning to worship with them. They're very friendly people, but the day before we came there, Saturday, 
they had an all-day workshop uh, for personal evangelism. So they're very eager to take the gospel throughout the community, and they're eager for us to come down there <coughs> and work with them. Many of you may not be familiar with the domestic mission campaign. This is our eighth campaign, and it was started to provide uh, all those who couldn't go on a foreign mission field an opportunity to participate in a program of taking the gospel to others. If the Lord is willing, we'll leave Mount Juliet on a Friday afternoon. On Saturday morning, we'll begin our campaign in Dayton, just like we begin every day of our campaign with a daily devotional. After our devotional, we'll hit the streets, knocking on doors, inviting people to a gospel meeting with a theme of back to the, back to the Bible. We'll also offer everyone we talk to an opportunity to study the Bible with us. What can I promise you if you come to Dayton? You'll get plenty of exercise walking the streets of Dayton and a chance to grow closer to those working together on this campaign. I can't think of a better way to grow closer to each other by rolling up your shirt sleeves and, and working side by side for the Lord. You have an opportunity to meet some new, warm, and friendly people worshiping in Dayton. You'll spend your time in Dayton inviting people to church and to study the Bible. And I can't think of a better way to spend a weekend or a week. I hope you'll come join us in this work. This work is open to all those who are 16 through 80-something. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. If you plan to go, please sign up and indicate how many days you'll be with us in Dayton. I know some will join us for the weekend and some will stay all the way through the 14th. Either way, we welcome your help in taking the gospel to the people of Dayton, Tennessee. We have a class sometime in May to give you more detailed information as well as instructions on how to conduct a Bible study. Please, if you would, keep this work and the people in Dayton in your prayers. If you would, turn now to uh, Romans 13, verses 11 through 12. Romans 13, verses 11 through 12. Do this knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. As we set our priorities and plan our days and weeks in this life, let us remember that the night is almost gone and the day is near. When the Lord comes again or calls us home. Won't it be wonderful if he finds us laboring in his fields? Thank you. My name is Lex Knatzer. I'm uh, the deacon over in charge of the Inner City Ministries. And we go out every Monday night to the Inner City. And we've had about 40 people now that's um, helped with that. <clears throat> I really do appreciate everybody that's coming out. And everyone is welcome. Um, I'd like to introduce to you someone that um, helps out at Inner City. His name is Wayne Green. And uh, in 1982, he started doing what we're doing now, uh, helping on the bus routes. In 1987, he gave up his business of tool and die maker business and uh, decided he was going to do this full time. So he's been with uh, Inner City now since 1987, about 18 years. 
Wayne is um, married. Uh, this may be 40 years. Uh, he has um, two daughters, two son-in-laws, four grandchildren. The oldest grandson is in Afghanistan right now. And uh, we really appreciate Wayne. He's a unique individual, and he's really a go-getter and a really down-to-earth person. I wanted to get a head start on the steps. As I've gotten older, it's hard for me to bounce <clears throat> up and down steps the way all these other fellas is doing it. Uh, still able to work, though. Uh, I noticed nobody read uh, the passage that most of us don't like to hear when it comes to missions. Matthew 28, verse 19, you're all familiar with it. I had difficulty with that until I did get on a bus and go in project areas. Jesus said he had all power, not just some, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. So go and make disciples or followers of all people in the world. Baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Well, my difficulty was that is I didn't think I could get to all the world. Some folks can go overseas. Some folks can speak, how many languages was it? Several. I've tried Greek. lasted three weeks. I've tried Spanish. I've bought all kinds of stuff to learn Spanish. I'm stuck with English. I'll share English with anybody. Inner city has been a tool to help me to comply with this passage. I did go ask a person who speaks Greek what that passage said in the Greek. They said, you'll have a better understanding. I said, well, I need that one. She said, as you go, wherever you go, teach folks about Jesus. I found that easy to do with the right tools. On one of the uh, displays out there, it had hammers and saws and wrenches and screwdrivers, and most of the husbands around here know that that's honeydew stuff. And you're familiar with those kind of tools. And what I've tried to help folks to understand, the inner city ministry, and y'all have about 40 folks, I think, that have been down to work on Monday nights. Shame on you. Y'all been there on Tuesday nights. But it's only a tool. The inner city ministry is only a tool to help you, to help me, and help other folks who can't get far from Nashville to do what Jesus said. Baptize folks. Teach them all that I've commanded. Thus, we at inner city, now, Monday nights, Lex is down there. How long are you down there, Lex? How long are you down there? Two hours? Three hours. Well, I'm down there 60 hours a week. <laughs> so three hours on Tuesday nights that I work is only a par part or portion of what has to be done. You see, a while ago, whenever someone was up here, he said, God loves you. You believe that, don't you? Nobody here tonight, I hope you don't leave this place without knowing God loves you. But folks that live in the inner city, 
They don't care how much you say God loves them until they see how much you love them. And they're constantly testing you, trying you. They want proof that you love them. Lex and other volunteers that we have in the inner city, and by the way, we're in seven cities, I think, still. Was eight, one dropped out. But I know of no other work that I can participate in at least once a week. There's, you know, y'all going to take mission trips, and it's wonderful. I wish I could go. I wish it'd do some good if I went. And I have reservations about whether it would do any good if I went. I've sent folks to Africa. I got a young man I trained who is a missionary in Africa. And I've, I did Bible studies over and over. I had 400 students whenever I went to inner city in 1987 in Africa. The idea that the individuals who studied with me by mail were baptized thrilled me to death. I know of no other thrill on earth. Now, some of the folks I work with get thrilled about drugs or alcohol or some of them other things. But nothing has matched the thrill I get from seeing a person that I've studied with, that I've encouraged, obey the gospel of Christ. Most of my brothers and sisters have never had that feeling. I remember the first one, and I remember four last month. And I was just as thrilled last month as I was with the first one. And I don't keep track of how many I've done. I know I gave y'all a piece of paper, said something like 37 and 04, 25 last year. I'm falling behind. But you know, the young man said a while ago that he spent six months studying with a person to bring them to Christ. Well, sometimes I don't have six months. And yet sometimes, there's another passage in the Bible that tells us the, the, the Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And you see, sometimes I studied with folks and one lady that I baptized a few years ago, it had been seven years since I studied with her. Don't give up on well-doing I meet preachers and deacons and all that stuff in and around the projects and they tell me you're wasting your time. These people have already decided to be doomed or whatever forever. And you know what? I find people willing to change. Some folks become judgmental. I, I can't tell you that I haven't been. Usually when I'm sitting in somebody's living room or at their table, after I've knocked on doors for six months trying to get them just to let me sit at their table, and maybe by then they've gotten their children out and riding my bus. But sitting there, finally, I'll have this prayer going on in my head while I'm smiling at the victim, I mean the uh, person, Sometimes they're, they're victims that have to sit it in front face me. But, you know, I'm praying, Lord, get me out of here. Why am I here? These people ain't going to change. You know, 
God has trained me a little. My prayer now is, Lord, what you want done? And I go do it. Now, I meet people, and whenever I knock on their doors, and I see the kids, and old Lex and others will see children who slept on the floor last night, sat on the couch if they'd had one. Katrina made victims out of a lot of folks, but you know, even in East Nashville, during the storm and the week after, people who'd never been to Mississippi nor Louisiana sat on their steps going upstairs had no chairs, no couches, no beds. And I just thrilled whenever I gave them those pieces of furniture. You see, furniture, food, everything I do in the inner city is to reach the time when they will say, yes, come in and let's see what God wants them to do. The buses run, and they see that. Sometimes I've had Bible studies and I've got members, sisters in the church who uh, only saw me take furniture into their neighbor's house and they're questioning me, what did you carry that stuff to them for? Them's the sorriest people in the neighborhood. And I said, would you like to find out what God wants you to do? In 04, I baptized two ladies. They came down front and the first thing when they stuck their hand out and said, I want to be baptized, the only thing I could think about is these two ladies had called me everything but a white man. Years before. They cursed me. They cursed me on the phone and in person. They had guts, didn't they? But you know, when I, they went down into that water, I kept thinking, I wonder if they remember what they said to me. I didn't say that, but I thought it. You see, do whatever you can do, wherever you are, to help somebody else to be a member of the body of Christ. Inner city men, a tool. Last year, I was over here visiting one of my ladies who lost her voice and had to be fed through a tube. And, and for two years, she was unable to speak, but she'd been sober 15 years. She had filled the cups for the communion and washed the trays for 12 years. And the only way me and her could communicate was with one of those little alphabet charts. You may have seen them. And I was there visiting one that, that day, and she pointed out, I-W-A-N-T-T-O-G-O-H-O-M-E. I said, Miss Sudi. What are you going to go back to the projects for? Shuck her head and give me that smile like you dummy. She wanted to go home to heaven, to be with God. She was tired of this body. You know, next to baptizing folks into Christ and them dying to sin and being reborn a new person, the other greatest thrill I have is doing funerals where I have the assurance from God, this person that I baptized, that I studied with, that cussed me and fussed at me and threatened me and was upset with me most of the time, she is going to heaven because I didn't go to Europe. I went to Nashville.
and I'm not against going to Europe. I think we as a brotherhood, if we don't send folks there to bring folks to Christ, Islam is going to work on them. My community of 1,200 apartments called Casey is turning into more and more folks from overseas, Africa, different places, most of which are Muslims. How do I reach out to them? I keep wondering, Lord, what you want me to do? For I know God loves his children, even those who are suffering from religious indigestion, as most of ours are. Is my six minutes up? Probably so. Folks, don't get weary in well-doing. Don't pay attention to preachers who tell you you're wasting your time. And don't pay attention to that little voice in your head that says, I must be wasting my time. Do what you can do for God. Use the tools. Inner city is one tool. It's not a wrench. It's not a hammer. But it is a tool that can be used to bring folks who would be lost to Christ. Make disciples. Make folks that want to follow Jesus. And if you get a free Tuesday night and you don't want to work with Lex on Monday night, come down and teach a class. Use the tools God has already paid for. Support those folks who can teach in Africa, in Europe, in South America. And don't forget what's at home. Let us teach and convert those folks as we go wherever we go. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, first off, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the elders and thank everyone that helped support the mission work that we uh, did over in uh, Ghana, over in Africa. Me and my brother Chad went, and we went with our, we went with our grandfather, uh, who's been over there 28 times. Um, I remember when Brother Shannon uh, called me a couple weeks ago. He asked me to get up here and talk just for a couple minutes, and I really didn't know what to say then, and I really don't know what to say to you now, because if I wanted to tell you everything that uh, I wanted to tell you, we'd be here a long time, and I think a lot of y'all would be happy with me for doing that. But um, being over in uh, Africa, it was like one of the greatest experiences that, that I could ever imagine. Uh, we, did, we did a lot of stuff. We went and visited a lot of villages and a lot of congregations. Um, we saw things that you never thought you'd ever be able to see. Um, my grandfather's been over there, I think, um, this made his 28th time. And he really wanted to take me and Chad, so we went over there. And um, I've heard it my whole life about Africa this, Africa that. Try to explain it to me. And I'm sure the people that have been on other mission trips, y'all, the same thing, y'all probably heard it, but it's not the same until you go there. And I, and I remember when we went, the whole time I was thinking, it's okay for the first couple of days, but I was kind of getting tired and I was ready to come home because I was kind of missing America. But the more time I spend back here, the more I want to go back. And I miss the things, and I think about the things more. Um, once I'm here, um, just, I'm showing some of the pictures up here now, like some of the places that we went, like you see here, 
we were just in the marketplace. It was in Kamasi, one of the cities that we were in. It's probably, they told us it was one of the biggest uh, marketplaces in the whole continent of Africa. Uh, the people over there were some of the greatest people that you ever meet. Um, the friendliest people, and you thought people down south were hospitable. You haven't been to met the people in Ghana. They were, every time I wanted something, it was there. I didn't have to ask. It was there. They, I, every time I wanted a ride to go somewhere, there was three or four people offering the ride. Um, it was a great time. Um, I know one of the, the things that we look at to, about going on mission trips is in Mark 16, verse 15. I'm just going to read that real quick. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And this is one of the passages that we use for when we go out and we preach the gospel to these other countries, the people that don't know. And I'll tell you now that the people in Ghana, they are very receptive of the word. They um, are very strong in their faith and everything that they do. Um, I, I just loved it over there. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think in my head right now the things that I want to tell you because I can't tell you everything that I want to tell you. Um, it, just, it just blows my mind the things that the way the people acted over there. Um, those people over there, they didn't have very much of anything at all, as you've probably seen in some of these pictures right here as we scroll through here. Um, but they were some of the happiest people that I've ever known. And one of the things that I realized the most about being over there is, and I know we've heard this from sermons from Brother Shannon, and you probably heard it from other people tell you that, and it's hard to believe yourself. Uh, this is when we got delayed in the airport for 15 hours, and granted I had to take that picture. That was real fun, I'll tell you that. Um, is that riches don't make you happy. Um, and Solomon taught us in Ecclesiastes, that I thought about this scripture a lot when we were over there, and I remember, and I thought back in my mind of Brother Shannon teaching it to us, and one Sunday morning, Ecclesiastes uh, 12, verse 13. And let us remember the conclusion to the matter. For fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret, every secret thing, whether good or evil. And I thought about this scripture when I was over there, and I thought about it more as I came back. Um, those people over there were so happy, so receptive of everything, but I kept on wondering, I was like, but they have nothing. You take the average person over here and we go over there and we'd be bored out of our minds. And a lot of times I was bored because there was not a lot to do. We did a lot of sitting around on some days and Chad will vouch for that because we, we didn't know what people over here did. There wasn't TV. There was like maybe one channel and I didn't understand what was going on. Um, there wasn't a radio. I mean, we had to listen to our own CD players when we go around. The roads were just absolutely terrible. And I just wanted to come home and be able to get in my own truck and go on a, a smooth road. And that was the greatest feeling when I got back from Africa, was getting in my truck, driving down the road, and there was no potholes. You didn't have to weave around everywhere. It was just nice and smooth. But I thought about how the riches that we have doesn't make us happy. There's more people over here. We have more problems than probably any other country, and we have the most of anything. So. It made me realize and think about different things in my life and about how other people view things about why, why, are, we, why are we not happy? We have everything. We have these, these nice big church buildings. As you see right here, this is one of the church buildings that we, uh, we visited, I believe it was in Twakram. We just drove up on just one certain day. We went to go visit them, see how they were doing, and they were having a, a ladies' Bible class. And every time we visited a congregation, there were, there were people there. No, they didn't know we were coming. They weren't trying to put on a show for us. 
I mean, we'd go um, just in the middle of the day. This is probably in the middle of the day on like a Tuesday afternoon. They were ha having just a ladies meeting for like the whole week. Um, they had church almost every night of the week. I think they had it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I know they came back on Friday, and then again on Sunday. The elders were always there on, uh, on Saturday. And what I concluded is that the riches don't make you happy. The, like you learn in Ecclesiastes, Solomon tried to teach us this thousands of years ago, and we're still trying to learn that lesson now. And well, I guess we have to learn it our own way. Um, God, doing God's will, is what brings fulfillment in your life. Not going out and having this nice sports car, not going out and having all these accomplishments, not going out and having all this wisdom, all this knowledge, all this money. It's doing God's will. And I think that the people over there, I think that they realize that more than that we realize that over here. And it's hard for us to see that. And it's, and it's hard for me to realize that when I, was, when I was here before I went. It's still hard for me to realize that now. But as I scroll through some of these pictures, like this is one of their outhouses. This is behind that church building right here. This is their restroom. I mean, and this is some of their streets. This is the dirt street. They, they had nothing. But I've realized once I've come back that there's, there's two paths that we can take. We got, you got your path on your left and you got your path on your right. There's not a path in the middle. You can't straddle. You got your path that leads to destruction and despair. And we got our path that leads to going to heaven and spending heaven in eternity with, heaven, with our Heavenly Father. Well, there will be riches greater than we ever had here in America, but no one can describe. And we're going to come to the point now uh, in the evening, if there's, if there's anything that's been weighing on your heart, weighing on your mind, or you haven't been going down that path that you think you should be going down, or you have been going down that path and you've fallen away, and you can come now, come forward, and there'll be somebody greeting you here with open arms, and I know Jesus and God in heaven will be greeting you also with open arms, ready to welcome you back or to welcome you in that family. So if you have anything, now I ask you to come as together we stand and sing. I am mine no more, I am mine.